Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. Big, big developments in the Charles McVitie story. Let's get right to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the program. You know, there's a bit of a peace today, a bit of a good feeling, because you know what? You don't have to care about the numbers. You don't. You don't have to care about the case numbers today, and here's why. There has been a data anomaly. Warning, data anomaly. There's been a data anomaly over the last couple of days. A number, uh, a public health unit had underreported. So, in other words, the last two days we should have had higher numbers, and today we're supposed to have a lower number and blah, blah, blah. Goodness, it's freeing not to care, really, about the case numbers. Although, really, when you look at uh, the key number there, hospitalizations and ICUs are continuing to go up, and that's not, not great. Not great, but hopefully we continue to flatten the curve. Curve flattening. You know what I got for you today? I have pretty big developments in the Charles McVitie story. Yes, yes. And you need to pay attention to this. You need to know what is going on because there is a giant hole now in the government's argument about why it wants to apparently reward Charles McVitie. Here, I'll get you up to speed. I know you like it. You, you do. Come on with me. I'll help you along. Charles McVitie is a Christian evangelist leader. He is the president of something called the Canada Christian College, which uh, is out in the east in Oshawa, Whitby. I get it wrong every time. I apologize. It's that that direction. Uh, and in a new omnibus bill, which is before the Ontario legislature, it's Bill 213, and in it is a schedule. That's what they call the little bits in a bill. In there, there is a schedule that says it will allow... Canada Christian College to rename itself Canada University and School of Graduate Theological Studies, and it will be entitled to grant Bachelor of Arts and Bachelor of Science as additional degrees. So, in other words, you might be able to get yourself a BA or a Bachelor of Science from Canada Christian College if this act were to pass, if this bill were to pass. Now, Charles McVitie uh, has been described as an Islamophobe. He is certainly someone with right-wing, conservative social views. He's also a friend and ally of Doug Ford, and there there have been a number of complaints. Uh, Council of Muslims have written a letter. There's been the 519 uh, uh, advocacy group in Toronto for LGBTQ has gone to committee and said we should not do this. Now, let me get qu- quickly bring you up to speed what, how this works. So the bill comes before the legislature, this bill 213, and in it, that's schedule number two, about Canada Christian College. It passes first reading. That's just kind of perfunctory. Second reading, same sort of thing. Then it goes to committee. And in committee, everybody can come in and, you know, make deputations and and talk about, you know, what should be in the bill or what shouldn't be in the bill. And this is where we have seen, for example, the 519 go and say, this is why we think you should not be able to put this, you shouldn't put this in. And the government's response all along has been, look, this is an independent process. There's this independent body that's going to determine whether or not Charles McVitie and his school will be able to grant degrees. And we're not going to enact this legislation until that 
is finished. Well, in committee, we had some developments over the past couple of days. And to help me with that, I am pleased to welcome to the program the member for Waterloo, the NDP MPP for Waterloo, Catherine Fife, who is on that committee. Welcome, Catherine. Good afternoon, Alan. Thanks for having me on the show. So what has happened? There were some developments in terms of what is in and what is potentially out of this bill at committee. What has happened? So yesterday, the government uh, essentially blindsided the committee by voting against their uh, another schedule, Schedule 8. And the reason that this was uh, of interest to us is because we've, you know, you, you clearly outlined some of the problems with, you know, Canada Christian College being fast-tracked and bypassing the PCAB process and being able to award degrees. That, that was very problematic. And we heard two full days of delegations from a majority of people who said, listen, this is not the this this Charles McVady is you know uh, all the names are used and the more and should not get the special uh, attention but uh, instead the government you know stood their ground on schedule 2 and their and, and Charles McVady got what he wanted however schedule 8 Allen was a was a schedule that dealt with marriage efficiency and it was actually a consumer protection component of the bill which was meant to strengthen program integrity uh, the change would also have helped reduce the number of compliance issues and complaints as well as costs that may directly affect couples so this was brought forward by uh, the the Minister responsible for consumer affairs, uh, MPP Thompson, and and you know she was holding her ground until you know the the Jack Fonseca from Campaign Life Coalition uh, and others on that on that end of the spectrum started to question why the government is you know imposing these new standards for marriage efficiency on on their folks. Okay, I'm just going to stop you right there. Hold on, Catherine, because we're we're kind of getting down in the... There's a couple of issues here I want to address because you bring up some key things. Okay, so we have these two different schedules. Let's first address, before we get into what's in Schedule 8 and why that has been changed. Mm -hmm. So the government has decided they're going to take out Schedule 8, but has stuck with Schedule 2, which is the Canada Christian College Act. That's my takeaway from what happened yesterday. What does that say to you? Well, it it tells us who this government is listening to. That's the crux of the problem, right? I mean, they're not listening to the likes of of the 519, who who raised very legitimate legal concerns with going down that road with uh, the Canada Christian College. But instead, they they're appeasing, you know, the far right, and and they've changed Bill 213 at the last minute, not even amending it, voting against the entire schedule, and and the concern obviously was that. You know why? Why is Doug Ford so easily swayed by the likes of John Fonseca? And then also, can you, you tell know, me who Jack Fonseca is? He's the uh, he's the political operations director for Campaign Life Coalition. So he, he would be in the Charles McVie. He would he would be an associate. I have seen Jack Fonseca at press conferences with Charles McVie in the past. They sort of sing from the same page. They they very much do. And and he had said, and he's on the record as saying that he believes that Schedule Eight, which the government pulled, it would make it easy to expunge Christian marriage officiants who consciously conscientiously object to presiding 
handing over a homosexual marriage. So this is, you know, for us, this is concerning because it, it demonstrates that one, you know, who's influencing the premier and, and to the degree that they, they're willing to change their legislation at the last minute to appease, this, to appease that end of the political spectrum. Okay, I, I want to come back again to Schedule 8, and I, I promise I will, because I think there's something concerning right in there yeah. to talk about. Before I get to that, though, I, I'm really, I need to get the government side okay. on this. And, of course, the government has repeatedly said that the entire McVitie thing is up to something called the Post-Education Quality Assessment Board, the PCAB, if I got that right. Yeah, that's right. Um, so the PCAB, and that it is an independent body. Now, in the House today, uh, the, the issues that we have been talking about were raised by your party, by the NDP, mm-hmm. and the government response here is from the parliamentary assistant to the Minister of Colleges and Universities. This is David Pacini. Mr. Speaker, we know that enabling legislation for private faith-based institutions has existed under governments of all stripes, and we have these procedural safeguards going to the Post-Secondary Education Quality Assessment Board. We have that, and these, these matter, Mr. Speaker, these safeguards. These safeguards, this is an independent process. It's transparent. There is nothing to see here. That continues to be the government side of this story. But in fact, uh, Alan, Bill 213 does indeed bypass the PCAB process. In fact, there were two other schedules that renamed two other um, uh, Christian colleges, uh, Schedule 25 in particular, and that would expand Redeemer's degree granting authority, which was one of the university, one of the colleges, even though they've not gone through the PCAB process to obtain such authority. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of spin happening here. But at the end of the day, when Bill 213 has third reading this afternoon. It's going to pass with this government. And and the Canadian Christian College is going to be able to grant degrees. And this is another favor that the Premier has sort of gifted to Mr. McVady. And let's remember, like, there are bigger issues facing the province right now. We are in a pandemic. Uh, I said this morning, we've already lost 14,000 small businesses in Ontario. One in seven is at risk. And this piece this, you know, this favor to Charles McVady was embedded in a Better for People, Smarter for Business Act, which, of course, it's only better for some people and smarter for some people, I guess, at the end of the day. So so we've wrapped it, committee, and did I understand what you just said, that the House leader has put it on the schedule to call it? Yeah, no, we're, we're debating third reading is this afternoon, and the, the vote will happen on Monday. I mean, this has been fast-tracked faster than any economic relief measure that we've seen from this problem. But hold on, the, the government has said all along it would not enact in that legislation prior to the PCAB um, process being complete. So it, it, its argument here would be that it would pass third reading, but it would not go to royal assent? I guess essentially their their you know mantra is we're not going to call this particular schedule. However, um, just trust us. But but the process will continue to move forward, and and this will be you know a victory for for an individual who, as you pointed out at the in your earlier comments, has been very has issued vile comments towards the LGBTQ community, Muslims, and the trans community. And so at the in the end, you know this individual wins in the middle of a pandemic when the Premier of Ontario should be focused on a health crisis and an economic crisis. Wow, I hadn't realized that it was already on the schedule to be called. Uh, Catherine Fife, I'm going to let you go there. Um, it, it is... 
Uh, very concerning that by this afternoon we could have uh, 213 uh, voted on and the PCs using their majority. And, well, and let me just let me just ask one more time. So my understanding, so you you can then enact this and yet not enact a certain section, hold a certain uh, portion of it back. Well, re- regardless, I mean the the fact of the matter is is that you know the PCAB process, which you know there's been a number of issues, obviously with Canada Christian College that has been. Uh, reported in the news around, you know, Mr. McVady borrowing money from the college and a lack of financial transparency. We have an inquiry in right now with the Integrity Commissioner about, you know, did Charles McVady register as a lobbyist to to win this, you know, new designation there's no there's no record of that so so the 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 entire measures that are happening right now with bill 213 you know stink of backroom politics in the middle of a pandemic and at third reading this afternoon i intend to put all of these all of these points on the record uh, but they're they're dug in and uh, i think that it really speaks to a lost government with the wrong priorities Catherine, I got to I got to leave it there. Thank you so much. Catherine Fife is the Ontario MPP for Waterloo. Well, that is quite a development in the McVitie story today. That the bill, Bill Two One Three, that will expand the powers of Charles McVitie, the conservative Christian evangelist leader, and his Canada Christian College. That bill expected to be called this afternoon in the House. And the government of Doug Ford is expected to pass it. Now, the government continues to say it will not enact the portion of the bill that would expand the power of Charles McVitie's Canada Christian College, change its name to a university, and allow for it to grant degrees in things like science, that it will not enact that, until this independent process is complete. But you heard in our last segment about how the government has removed another section of a bill, of this very same bill, and it did so after complaints by compatriots of Charles McVitie, those that complained that this portion of the bill that was supposed to help with streamlining and being able to get a what is a code of contact for efficiency to be able to marry you, in other words, some sort of uniformity. But the complaint was, wait a minute, code of conduct, you're not telling me what the code of conduct is. And this really is a problem on the government side, is they didn't really spell it out. And they left this gap open for conservative social groups to say, look, this looks like it's going to exclude those uh, that have uh, moral Uh, objections to same-sex marriages, and there's no indication that that was what was in there, but the government listened to social conservatives and removed that portion of the bill, but did not listen to progressives, organizations representing LGBTQ, Muslim organization, Muslim uh, council, didn't listen to them. It did not remove the section about Charles McVitie. Charles McVitie, from his school, if this passes, if this goes through, as I mentioned, you'll be able to get a Bachelor of Science. Here is Charles McVitie talking about his interpretation of science and how old the Earth is. People talk about the world being billions and billions of years old. 
but I've never seen anything more than 6,000 years old. You have a, you have a perfect historical record for about 6,000 years and then stop. That is Charles McVitie with his interpretation of how old the earth is. And this province is entertaining the idea that his school can grant degrees. And that does not even take into account the statements that Mr. McVitie has made in the past. He's been censored by the Broadcast Standards Council, I believe it was that organization, for uh, some statements that he made when he had a television program on a Christian network where he talked about homosexuality and pedophilia. He's opposed to trans rights. It's in a week where we have Elliot Page to celebrate. Celebrate Elliot Page. Can we also, in the same breath, elevate someone like Charles McVitie? And why is it so concerning is the appearance, I think this is the most concerning part, is the appearance of a quid pro quo, a friendship between Doug Ford, the premier of this province, and Mr. Charles McVitie. McVitie supported Doug Ford in his leadership ambitions for the progressive conservatives. Doug Ford used the spaces at Canada Christian College for his membership drive as he tried to win the conservative leadership in this province. And here is Doug Ford earlier this year with a special birthday greeting for Charles McVitie. Hi, Charles. I'm sorry I can't make it tonight, but I do want to wish you a happy 60th birthday celebration, 40 years of community service, 36 years of faithful service at the Canada Christian College. That is Doug Ford with a birthday wish for Charles McVitie in his recent 60th birthday celebration. Other members of the Ford government did attend in person, including the Minister of Finance. Was there inappropriate lobbying of the government? Why is it that this schedule remains in this bill? We got some new real estate numbers today, and uh, there's a joke that we have here in the newsroom that I just I love. I tell it all the time, uh, and it gets a lot of eye rolls every time. But uh, every time we get a new report that comes out about what's going on in real estate, the headline always ultimately is, It's never been a better time to buy, says Real Estate Association. <laughs> Inherently has a bit of a conflict to it. <laughs> I love this from uh, Jason Mercer from the Toronto uh, Regional Real Estate Board, who was on the uh, radio show uh, earlier this morning. And uh, here's what I can tell you about those new numbers. They show that uh, prices are up, uh, demand is up, with the exception of condos. And condos have fallen. So if you're a condo owner and you're trying to sell, it's not a good time. But real estate... The real estate industry has its really its own way of talking. And so listen, you might think that uh, you know a price drop in condos might be a bad thing. Well, of course, it all depends on your perspective, I guess. But listen to the shine here that Jason Mercer puts on all of it. 
we continue to see um, you know growth in, in in sales on a year-over-year basis, but um, we've seen a much greater degree of growth uh, when it comes to listings. And so people who are looking to buy a condominium apartment right now are benefiting from a lot more uh, supply, uh, a lot more choice, and, and that means that they have more negotiating power on price. And so in November, for example, in the city of Toronto, the average selling price for a condo was down by about three percent um, in comparison to, to November 2019. So that just reflects that that greater degree of choice that the buyers are benefiting from in the marketplace right now. Choice, benefits for buyers. I mean, mean, there's always a flip side to the coin, of course, isn't there? But the other thing that came out in the uh, real estate numbers is it really is all about space as we're in this pandemic. And everybody's saying, well, listen, this tiny little condo is not exactly work from home ready. And that is where the action is in the market. I am pleased to welcome to the program Phil Soper, who is the president of Royal LePage. Hey, Phil, uh, never been a better time to buy, says the Real Estate Association? <laughs> well, you know what? The, um, as you say, it always depends on whether you're a buyer or a seller. When prices are going up and you're a homeowner, if you're not selling doesn't provide much benefit. I suppose it makes people feel paper wealthy. <laughs> but uh, if you're not if you're not in the market, it's really just something I don't know, like a pension or something. I don't know if anybody still has those. But uh, you're thinking, well, you know, someday it's going to provide some benefit for me. For buyers, man, it has been tough in the GTA for well most of the last twenty years, and it's it's really simple rationale we've got a growing population fastest in canada really the only city other than vancouver that benefits from provincial migration in other words people from other provinces roll into the gta plus we are probably most successful company in the country in the world from an immigration standpoint most of those people end up in the gta and we're just not building enough homes to house everybody so you got more people trying to put a head a roof over their head not enough homes, and so it's been tough, really tough for young people in particular. What's your big takeaway from these new numbers that just came out? Well, a couple of things. Um, We, coming into this pandemic, we had a a market that was uh, out of balance. So we had more people, as I just said, looking for houses than we had houses to sell them. That was the first quarter of uh, 2020. Boom, the pandemic hits, and suddenly people are looking at their houses as their office, often for two working people. Uh, It's become their restaurant. It's become their kid's classroom. It's become the gym. And they're looking and they're going, oh, my God, you know, this just doesn't fit our needs anymore. So suddenly you've got a market that already has a lot of demand, and you throw this additional sort of fevered interest in property in general, and you get you get a weird, weird off-season surge in activity. So normally, normally this time of year is when uh, real estate agents uh, start to focus on putting up Christmas decorations and, and, <laughs> and, and maybe actually saying hi to their uh, their families, but they're not this year. They they are crazy busy for for a snow-covered uh, a city, and it, it's beginning to look like it's going to continue through the winter. Obviously, 
at a less frenetic pace than we saw in uh, July, August, and September, but way different than the typical uh, winter real estate market in Canada. Speaking with Phil Soper, who is the uh, president of Royal LePage, how much of a factor you think is cheap money with interest rates so low? Huge. Uh, there's no industry, no industry uh, in our country that is more interest rate sensitive, other than maybe banking itself, than the buying and selling a property. And although interest rates were dropped, uh, you know, the target interest rate was dropped to emergency lows in the spring, competition among uh, lenders has actually resulted in even lower uh, mortgage rates this fall than we had um, when the pandemic relief was sort of first rolling out. So yeah, people don't buy houses based on their sticker price. They buy them on what I call rent equivalency or carrying costs. So they look at, I've got to put food, shelter, and uh, uh, roof over my family's head. What am I going to be spending a month, be it for rent or be it for purchase? And out pops their mortgage payment and obviously very, very historically low interest rates um, make that payment lower. Now, that's it's a trade-off against escalating home prices. I mean, prices were up 13% uh, in the GTA year over year. But still, the low, much, much lower um, interest rates has, has made it more uh, approachable for a lot of people, particularly first-time home buyers looking at condos. I know you got to go. I just one last question here. Just uh, crystal ball it for me. One year from now, where are we? The market should cool. Uh, this this level of um, of uh, imbalance will cool. People will start going back to work uh, when the medical crisis is managed. Are this uh, this uh, sort of soul searching and saying we need. We need bigger. We need bigger in terms of our properties. We'll start to dissipate. And then we'll be looking at just normal organic growth, uh, the kinds of things I, I talked to you about at the beginning of the, the call, the fact that Toronto is one of the you know, great growing cities from an economic and population standpoint. The world is going to, going to drive the need for more housing and put more pressure on prices, but not at the level we've seen uh, in the second half of 2020. Phil, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Take care. That is Phil Silver, who is the president of Royal LePage. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget to catch the Alan Carter Show live weekdays starting at noon.